Hey there, and welcome back to the Six of Cups. This is episode 10. We have quite a roundtable this evening. With us, we have yours truly, Nathan Lee. We also have Brother Joe DeZerman. We have my buddy Jake, who is a fellow Equinox Dealey type individual. And uh, Jerry Ablin is with us as well. And we had a great roundtable on the topic of non-servium versus service to others entry into this conversation to the point of one of those spectrum polarities that we can say eventually might be useful enough talking points to grok a passable praxis. So that's what we were going for, and I think you'll hear that at some points in this interview when I speak about it's important to feel that what we're doing right now does matter. Um, if you're someone who has no skin in the game, you have no voice in the conversation. I feel that's uh, a fair bargain to say, you know, listen to the adults in the room. There's all sorts of ways to live life, and I respect everyone's path. As long as your path is nonviolent unto other people. And that is to say that you give no shit, you take no shit. That being said, the Invisibles reading group is upon us. The due date to be in is on 11-11. It is 11-11. The best way to do that right now is to join through the Six of Swords Discord. If you're not already there, you can reach out to me. Um, at a cult fan at Gmail, if you don't have any other way besides Twitter, at a cult fan at Twitter, like that, you can use that. Of course, there's also the... Um, <laughs> the uh, website that I there, there I'm like yeah you have a website it's in need of updating if anyone out there is interested in collaborative working on updating a website to a much more um, artistic and pleasurable and even very deeply creative website experience and has any ideas how to do that f reach right out to me we can figure something out um, monetary or otherwise and so, furthermore, um, the Invisibles Reading Group is beginning as well through the Discord on Six of Swords channel, and we will have the uh, Invisibles Only group. I found out that it's invisible, <laughs> so it's very cool. Um, as I continue to learn, as we all do, um, you will be able to join that. You'll get the group. You'll get access to the definitely non-extant cough, cough, wink, wink, nudge, nudge uh, PDF if you do not have the physical copy. You will also be part of so many other things, and there's so many other things, and also, as you expected, there's so many other things. That being said, uh, go to the occultfan.com page, hit the donate button there, you will do 1111 in there, and that's your one-time entry. Uh, yeah, that's it. Donation through the PayPal at occultfan, 1111, the due date is 1111, we begin that evening. So everyone get ready. <laughs> and besides that, if you have any questions, you heard how to reach me. And this conversation going to be really good. So without further ado, besides the fact that those who have donated above the $200 mark here get mentioned, they get their names and notes read. This is the executive producer and associate executive producer level. When you donate, you also get added credits to the VFE RPG. You get points towards buying items in the game. You get points towards 
being able to manipulate the storyline in different ways and more on that coming but remember the vfe rpg very exciting so don't forget at fifty dollars cumulative all of its cumulative nothing's lost it's always a gain uh you get to start a character at 50 and uh if you need more info reach out to me with uh with that said let's go Hey there, and welcome back to the Six of Cups. This is the round table that is about pleasurable topics based off of the tarot cards. You may have heard of them. I have not. In the meantime, while I learn what the hell tarot is, we have Jerry Cthulhu, Jacob Backus, and Brother Joe DeZerman back with us on the Six of Cups. This is episode 10, and tonight we're here to largely talk about service to others in a way, in a certain way you could say, versus non-servium. So the attitude that I will not serve, no one owns me, the Declaration of the Independence is the only important thing, F the Constitution, versus what about service to others, and what about being of use to the world, and why are we even here? So to talk about that, we're going to start off with Brother Joe. What do you have for us tonight? Tonight, Today? Whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> hey, uh, what, I'm, I'm sorry, I just missed the question coming to me. What do you think about the opening topic tonight? We're going to break. Oh, okay. Well, I know we've talked about this before, and it's kind of always been a big deal for me. Um, I think the idea of like non-servium, I will not serve, is it's almost like you get to make the choice. I think that's the important part. It's like a declaration against some type of enforced like ideology or, you know, not to come out swinging, but slavery that we all live in. You know, by decide, declaring that you will not serve, you kind of take back your own freedom. And then, then you can choose to serve others. And I think that's an important, like, uh, distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jerry, do you have anything to say on that? No, I'm still processing. You're saying what? I'm still processing your question. Why? Oh, okay. I liked what you said earlier about the kind of just making it about the rightish left-hand pathist thing, but we'll come back to that. Jake's, what do you think? That. Well, oh, no, okay. I'm extrapolating. More okay, okay. We'll let him express that later. But what, was the, what was the question again? About um, the concept of servium and non-servium, basically, like I will not serve and versus service to others. Like where wow. does that belong in our society and where do you see that being in need of dire improvement? And what's, uh, where are we doing it well? Well, I mean, things have definitely been going to where everybody's just service to self. Like, probably the past 50 or 60 years, it's just been steadily getting worse and worse and worse on that. Seems as, as, as a whole in society, although most individuals that I talk to are the opposite. But it seems like society as a whole seems to be that way. So, right on. All right. Well, Jerry, if you're ready, or we can just keep moving. Yeah, just keep moving. Okay. I don't, there's really nothing to add. Those guys have. Do you really? Uh, I think I, I would appreciate maybe just mentioning in your own words what were we saying before, so I don't. So you were saying you were explaining those strange words you used to describe what you're talking about. They're magic words. You'll now think you're a chicken. Jerry is a chicken. I'm a chicken. I forget. I can't, remember, I can't remember how you put it together. The way, and I said, oh, it sounds like service to others versus service to self, which is an old concept from Seth Speaks. That's what I said. 
With the right hand path, left hand path. That's exactly what I said. It has nothing to do with the right hand path. All right, Jake, explain why I made that generalization, if you would. I understand the generalization. No, but Jake's going to make it for other people now. I think it's wrong. Okay. Okay. Um, Well, cool. It could be. Jake, um, maybe make the case why it is or is not wrong. Well, because if you're talking about like service to self versus service to others, the left hand path is the service to self. And the right hand path is the service to others. It all depends on the your perspective of what, or the scope of what what you're talking about, right? If you're talking about in general, you can't just be one or the other. Well, yeah, that's that's where the concept of the middle pillar comes in because you have to have both in balance. Or but that's on a huge macro all. scale. But you know, in your neighborhood, in your subdivision, with your friends, your group of friends, you're not going to help your friend move. Well, yeah, See, that's the thing. You would help your friend move. Exactly. So it's all matter. But if of you got, skills. you know, you're not going to lose your job over it to help them move at the same time, too. You know? Obviously, it's a matter of scope. Exactly. That's, well, that's what the middle pillar is all about. But it's yeah. an infinity between the two. That's the problem. The middle, middle pillar is enormous. Yep. It makes yeah. me think with the internet too, the amount of things that people's energy can get distracted by into thinking is worth giving their heart and soul to. And maybe sometimes there's a lot of neurolinguistic and flashity, jiggly things on the screen and appeals to deep seated fears and other things like that. You know, I mean, there's something that's important about talking about this from that perspective as well, so that people can recollect, recollect themselves so they can reconnect themselves. Recollect to reconnect. It sounds like a weird parliament song. It sounds like NLP. <laughs> Jerry's on to him. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. <laughs> Mr. Cthulhu. <laughs> anyways, he's, he's protected. All right. Anyways, um, Joe, you had a good point there, though. You know? <clears throat> In regards to what? Well, I mean, go forward with thinking about like what that could mean to reconnect to what's really deeply important because obviously it's people sucking people's energy away from where they really would feel. I'm just making a claim, eh, contented. I have a point about this too after he's done. So, excuse me. Um, not to spout... Uh, cliche, but I, I think it's kind of important to really analyze the idea of knowing thyself. And to know yourself, you, you can't really do that if you are constantly in service of someone else. And when I say someone else, I mean the, you know, in, a, in the context of not being in control of yourself. So if you're working a job that you hate, and you're surrounded by people that you don't care to be surrounded with, I I would imagine that you haven't exactly started to analyze yourself. So you aren't serving yourself. You are directly serving others in those, but you also need, you know, it's like you're just getting by. And when you're in that kind of a state uh, to go to, you know, to what you had said, Nate, you're not thinking clearly. And you're, I, I feel like when you're, you're basically brainwashed. You know, it's like you're acting out of fear. You're acting out of necessity. You know, you, it's, it's easy. You're not really thinking clearly sometimes, you know, when you, when you just have to make sure that your kids aren't going to be hungry, 
you know, you, you don't have the luxury of like meditating for an hour each day. That's true. There's a, there's something very important in the, in the world about getting that place of mind so that you have a space. And I think that we've heard this over and over again, but it bears repeating. And it makes me think of these great things that happen in people's lives. They discover a guru that really turns them on to something and really seems to solve that. But what people really need to realize is that this isn't going to just be anything that's a quick turnkey mechanism, right? This is fundamentally choosing to breathe with your whole being. I actually had something else to say, but that came out instead. Jerry, I, it's because I wanted to get to Jerry because you said you had something. Jerry, what's up? Uh, what do you have to say to that? Well, I was thinking about it too. Also, of um, how would one? How do you decide if something is uh, you should help others or not? In that in that kind of thing, and it was more. I was more thinking along the lines of energy vampirism and how. It, you have relationships with people who will just do anything for someone and totally get sucked dry. And that would be someone who's like, I'm completely service to others person. I'll do anything. Oh, it happens so often. Right. Exactly. And that's a non-beneficial arrangement energetically. Yeah, I agree. However, if there's, you know, if it's a mutually beneficial thing, it's not a bad, it's never a bad thing. I mean, and I, okay, so from an extreme freedom point of view with volunteerism or whatever in mind, you would say as long as they freely accord to agree with it out of their own true free will, non-aggression, right? not out of like some fear, yeah. but out of just reason, which is kind of like in a no, weird uh, way. activism is done out of fear. Be honest. Well, I, let's get back to that. I would just like to say, like in a weird way, it's kind of like the original what you would call real Christian way of being, not a religious thing, right? But just like that. It's what the Christians would have you believe is the way of living. Say again, please. It's what the Christians would have you believe is the correct way of living, or a way, part of it, or something like that. It's right? a utopian thing. It's like a utopian society. Everybody helps their neighbor. You know. I think we have to talk in percentages for reality's sake. You know, like how often can we expect that people are going to be, you know, fidelitous to that kind of attitude? I think that we need to make it as much as possible with a realistic way, you know, looking at it realistically, but caring about it because the outcome matters in a fucking real way. Pardon my language. Jake. Yeah. I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it's. That's it goes back to the gotta maintaining the balance too, because if, when things get out of balance, it just throws everything off. Like uh, you know, if you're doing too much service to others and you're not <clears throat> taking care of yourself, or you know, you're being detrimental to yourself, then it's not that's not helping anybody. And a lot of times, if you're doing something, everything for somebody. Really, what they need is for you to stop doing it, so they have to, you know. I so agree with you, and that's uh, one of those energy vampire contract things, too, right? I mean, all the best relationships in life, I think, to this point, come when you're just like, it, it's free, it's natural, it's like two ecstatic flames on some higher level, just dancing and enjoying it. No, on this level, it's like just joking around, laughing 
not taking any insults seriously. Like, haha, you're an asshole. Ha, you're an asshole. You know, like, waha. I mean, that's really that kind of level of fun that you see that the, the, that's a natural kind of give and take. Now, when it's like something that's beholden to a grudge or something, that's a whole other thing, right? That's now it's a whole other thing. I want to make sure that we say that relationships are not easy and that to truly do something in the long term, that's a whole other skill set. But we're talking about just like the plain attitude in a common everyday, you know, meeting people on the street, you know, maybe a little less intense, but the more close you get with people, the more it's like that. And I think we'd like to see that percentage wise cultivated so that society's, you know, not utopian and not even utilitarian, but just for the sake of a good spirit living place. Yay words. <laughs> words. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's definitely someone else's turn. Like I I I, I didn't so much drop the mic as kind of like <laughs> um no for real though jake um you 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 uh, you definitely do uh get what i'm saying here i think uh joe what about this idea of utopia being completely batshit and insane and what do we do to fix that shit i think the only thing that's insane about a utopia is assuming that it's an end goal you know it's I feel like it's it's a tool that constantly moves. It's an, it's almost like a benchmark to see if you're going in a direction that you want to move in. You know, you can just pick, you know, the, the best case scenario for all people then try to eventually get there. I feel like that's okay. But, you know, if you're, you know, we're not going to all live on the Pacific Northwest in like an eco bubble raising animals, like not even in. I got to make know, a few phone calls. Hold on. But we could. I mean, some people could. Yeah, there's no way in hell I'd do that. All right, yeah, so keep going, Joe. Oh, it's it's like you have to balance that weird, like Atlas shrugged, like utop, like whatever you want to call that version of utopia, or like that. Uh, what is dystopia. the dystopia? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, it's probably pretty good for some people, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Totally. I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. I've gotten so. <laughs> Off track. Um, I just I think, think it's it's. Great. I think it's a thing that exists. It's a thing that we can use to try to move That's what, yes. forward. For sure, it's not a feeling. It's a. It's not a. It's not a place. It's a feeling. Right. It's like the Sioux Nation. It makes like, modest most lyrics. It's really good for. It's really bad for most, but really good for some. Really great for some. But yeah, um, you know that would be one version of it, and I think that's what like the. Uh, the brave new world would be most people born in birth bags and etc. And I think that's one real reality. If we don't get our shit together, Jake, I'm like, please go. Yeah. I was just saying that's the problem with the utopia is that everybody has a different idea of what that would be. So, you know, even with all the secret societies and like all of them, their end goal is supposed to create a utopia of some form or fashion. Or communists, that's their thing too. They're trying to create some utopia. But, you know, what they would consider a utopia, not necessarily what somebody else might consider that incredibly, uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Oh, communism's absolutely insane. But, that's, yeah. you know, but the uh, idea is that they're supposed to be making the, 
It would be yeah, it's hyperbolic, but there's well, yeah. We want people to live well. Like, don't forget that when I say that, I say that because I want people to have a life that's worth living and living well, and not one where they're subjugated to fascist slavery, slavery or uh, abuse that they should not be due. And that would happen. Just look at communism. It's not even my opinion. Yeah. And and socialism. Yeah. Well, socialism is supposed to be a stepping stone towards the communism. no. It's not. It's a, it's. A, it's According like Marx, anyway. And communism rebranded so. for the new American century. Yeah, well, yeah, and Marx's writings, he was talking about how socialism is an important step in uh, towards the communist utopia or whatever. Well, I mean, in a good society, lawfulness is probably a good thing. In a shitty society, lawfulness is uh, probably a bad thing. And that being said, anarchy in some definitions or even practices is probably the best thing. That being said, are we going to ever get to a state of maturity or fun or love enough to do that? Hey, man, I don't know. Is there more agenda? Are there more agendas on the table than are human? I don't know. I don't have any. Is that even like possible or desirable in this world because right. this world is supposed to be like a, a learning there's experience. order there too yeah yeah then like you're gonna get the new souls coming in that haven't evolved to that point you know so like is that ever gonna be something that could happen here uh, i have my doubts you know? one of the first things that gordon white taught uh and joe i i think i think you'll remember this is that he's talking about going to an island with a and he has to ask several different levels of government to get to the king right but he knew who to ask so he got to the king i vaguely remember that that was one of the first things that we uh, heard about. But anyways, the idea is relevant in the same sense as why we do this on a planetary hour at this time. It's why we tweet 1111 or text it. It's why we do things with our loved ones on their birthday even. You know, so I mean, anyways. Yeah, um, Joe, you had something on your mind, I can tell. Yeah, um, I, I think that we're getting bogged down in the idea of isms and archies and things of that nature. You know, I, I think that those are... I think that you can learn a lot from all of those, but to assume that you get one and then you've won and the game's over and everything's fine is delusional. And that's where the crazy stuff comes in. You know, like I identify as an anarchist, but that doesn't mean that I ever assume that there's going to be an anarchic world that I'll live in. And hopefully I don't have to live through like a, uh, like McCarthy, like Cormac McCarthy's on the road or not on the road. Is that no, the road, excuse me. <clears throat> you know, uh, but I feel like, excuse me, <clears throat> aspects of socialism, aspects of anarchy, ask, aspects of democracy, those are all things that we need to shape the world that we want to live in. But we can't let them be the thing that dictates life for all of us. I think that's where like the madness comes from, where we're allowing an, an ideology to be like our ruler. Yeah. And it's, it actually like really limits your thinking when you're thinking in isms and archies and yeah. labels like that, you know, because there might be some good parts of it, some bad parts of it, or some of it might be conditional. Like anarchy would be one thing. Well, you know what it's like? It's like It'd Jake. Be very conditional. Jake, <laughs> do, you like, do you like thrash metal or do you like speed metal? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like asking the same question. 
it's uh it's it's all shades of this kind of and it's like what at what intensity at what time should we be living i think i would like to pause it right now as far as organizing our society and understanding the best ways to treat one another we utilize the tool of astrology far more than we have before we could understand each other and our needs and our wants and be able to give them to one another and each other if if that so be the desire in a far more effin efficacious manner than ever before yeah <laughs> that's it folks that's the end of the world good night all right uh, <laughs> throws the mic into the void um jerry what do you do you have anything or uh if you don't then brother i do not what would you like to say i just said a whole lot i'd be happy with other people uh chiming in here I, talk. Um, I guess i've been really quiet for a while which i mean hell is now going to begin to defrost but let's continue um yeah man um let's just shift the topic like we can step left into the next room as we do um i'm gonna share with you guys a really interesting experience and i'll definitely be emailing this to mr mike cleland and i actually last night with jj looked up his book the messengers the first one and today we're taking a walk in the woods with our lovely little puppos that you guys must have seen the magic force good doggos and they were, uh, you know, just, you know, really so sweet today. But that's not the point. I'm, now I'm thinking about doggos. We walked around and we could have taken them this way. We could have gone this way. We still have to take several pictures. So you know how it works out. We're at this spot. I see from, you know, anyways, I see this shape land on a branch. And I'm like, oh, hey, cool, a hawk. That's, you know, JJ goes, no, that's an owl. And I go, no, it's not <laughs> and its neck turns the thing looks at us and i'm like that's an owl so today we were walking through the forest and jj and i saw an owl and just the night before i had been looking at mike clellan's book and of course we've been reading the secret history of twin peaks and the part about owls and aliens was just being read by us the evening prior so today we saw an owl if you know what i mean you saw an owl in the day i saw an owl during the sun hour of the sun day well that's rare <laughs> what kind of owl was it it was a great horned owl oh cool looked like a young specimen i've Fine. only seen owls in zoos and stuff <clears throat> i've never seen one out in the wild fine 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 bird I don't think I have either. I've heard them, never seen them. Yeah, me too. This one flew down right near, like right, like it was there for us. I hear coyotes all the time too. I never seen. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment, or for a while. Then we actually ended up walking away. That dude was chilling. So, anyways, yeah, that happened. So Mike Lowland's going to want to hear about that. I'm sure. How do you like the secret history of Twin Peaks? Oh, I think it's uh, one of the best things that I've ever read. Um, it's a synchronicity generator. It's a, it's like the Invisibles. It's on par. I, I will say it's on par because uh, that's yeah, it is. It it reminds me a lot of uh, also like how the Illuminatus trilogy functioned. Absolutely, well put. That's another one. Mixing, mixing reality and fiction. 
Yeah. Because, like, yeah. Meriwether Lewis actually did die. You know, he was slain, and they still have yet to correct that in the records, and they will during our lifetimes. <laughs> I, I would like to go back through that. I feel like by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, oh, I should have been paying more attention. Yeah, I got to rewatch the original series, the, just the, the last few episodes. I got to rewatch those. Have you finished it yet? I finished it once, but I'll, the last like three episodes, I got to rewatch it again. I figured out <laughs> something recently because JJ and I just watched it, which is why we're reading this now after watching Fire Walk with me. <clears throat> That's the one I should watch after this, right? Yes, you need to finish one and then two, then Firewalk with me, then Secret History, then Season 3, then the final dossier. That's the order right there. You can add the other ones like The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer if you wish. Suggested. Yeah, Firewalk with me really pulls it all together. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. Really, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Before you actually get onto the Firewalk with me, I just wanted to say... um, about the very final, um, so how's Annie? How's Annie? How's Annie? It ends with a laugh. Ha 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 ha. How's Annie? How's Annie? How's Annie? The killing joke. I figured that out the other day. <laughs> I'm gonna. I need to go through the killing joke. It's one of those. It's always been on the periphery, but I've never actually. Next reading group, bro. Yeah, we should mention that we're doing the Invisibles reading group that begins on eleven eleven. So if you want in, PayPal Occult Fam eleven eleven. It's not something that we're gonna do probably again for a while since we obviously have the killing joke. Eh, joke to do. All right, if it's twinning on that, we're doing it next. Are we talking um, about the? The, the the comic series or the yeah. book the killing okay i was talking about the band but the book well, well i'm talking about doing the follow-up to the invisibles uh but That's yes fun. let's uh have you has anyone here listened to them jerry jake are you guys familiar with killing joke the band definitely uh, i remember the name but like the music's not coming into my head right now so sure i've heard them but you've definitely heard them you couldn't I don't remember what they hearing them. I don't remember what they what they did. So. Gary, what about you? Do you know the band Killing Joke? No, no, I never heard of them. And brother Joe, you've heard of them, or you've heard them before? I've heard them. Def- I've definitely heard them a bunch of times, but it was always in like single songs on YouTube, or you know, like in passing on mixtapes when I was a kid kind of thing. I really want to like dive in deeper. Definitely worth your time. I, and all of us listening and speaking are interested when uh, you are, can read about Chris Knowles's interpretation of some of the interesting events surrounding the members of the band. I'll leave that for you to look up at the, his secret sun blog. Yeah. I love this band. Um, when I got into them, I really got into them when I was about 21 or 22 and it was from Hosanna's from the basements of hell. That was their album from 2006. I really loved the Victor Safonkin artwork on it. 
So when I listened to it, I was blown away by it. And this is at the same time when I'm going through like everything, like from Neil Young to Mogwai to, you know, you wouldn't even Clara Rockmore, you know what I mean? Like John Jacob Niles and the Beach Boys. So a lot of different music. And this is of a particular value. Uh, anyways, like I encourage anyone to do their own work in this area, listening to this. You can't really talk about it too much. It kind of has to be experienced. Yeah. They're just kind of like, there's really nothing else really kind of like them. They're like goffy, but also post-punk, but that's not an accurate description of them. Uh, it's, it's really good. They have a song called Prozac People, which always blew me away for like how much I connected with how direct it was. I was like, Knowing el- no one else talks like this. Like, I was just like, this is what feels good. <laughs> like, I like how raw. Anyways, they're opening for Tool, and I'm yeah. seeing them in New York on November 19th. So that's going to be awesome. They're also spooky. There's a spooky band, which I always enjoy. When it's not cheesy, but they're actually just kind of like scary people. I missed what you said, Jake. Oh, was it? oh sorry. Oh, I just said that should be cool. Yeah, it should. And, for tool. Yeah, well, Danny Carey played for them. I, uh, so that's a direct connection, but they're very hand in hand. Like both bands have a very similar current going on in a way. Both are brilliant. So it's going to be an exciting show. I think they're all magicians. Oh, I know Tool isn't. I'd be surprised if Killing Joke wasn't. <laughs> so, got a lot of cool things coming up. Um, I hear there's an uh, an obelisk coming up, Jerry. Is this true? Yep, uh, Wednesday night. And uh, is this going to be a show people are going to want to tune into? You tell me. No, man, it's your show. Well, since I haven't quite discussed the topics succinctly with you yet, I would say it's going to be interesting. Oh, my God, dude. I'll tell you one thing. And to tease like, it. I mean, I can't summarize it for yeah, you yeah. is what you're asking me to do. I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what. Let me tease it right here like this. Right. Jerry, when I went to look up an episode of Fringe yesterday, the first episode that popped up to me was titled Northwest Passage. Of course, that's the operating title of Twin Peaks, and it shows up in X Files, and it's in the secret history of Twin Peaks we were reading yesterday. So we're on good, we're on good synchronicity, is what I'm saying. So, anyways, that's a teaser. I, I just want to look up that episode. Yeah, yeah, Fringe Northwest Passage, and uh, let's not spoil anything for anyone else. No, no, no. I bet there's more sinks in there that you missed. I missed. Mm-hmm. How dare you? It's the forty. <laughs> it's the forty-first episode. Season right. two, episode 21, 221. There's a ago. difference on a spectrum between someone missing and then someone pulling out of their ass. So, you know, just don't, don't forget that as well. Anyways, there's probably several sinks in there we'll get into. Brother Joe, you've seen the TV show Fringe, right? Not enough to speak about it. Y'all know that, uh, Jake, you know it's in uh, supposedly at MIT in Boston, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, I binge watched that show and saw like every episode. Is it not in about a week? Thing it's, amazing, it's amazing show. Yeah, man, it really is one of the, it's one of the best shows. It perfectly describes our reality. It does. It so fucking does. 
It's I, I have to agree with Jerry on that. That's true. That's true. It's, it's um, true. It's <laughs> even even no agenda. Which, which doesn't describe our reality but, at all. But but the other universe in fringe is the underworld. You think so? Like the kind of like Stranger Things kind of other Montauk world? No, that's the upside down. Yeah, that's I don't know, Jerry. Okay, so I think well, that's a whole other thing. Stranger Things. I think what's going on there is that they've pulled, they've opened a doorway into her subconscious. So you think it's a difference between the underworld and the subconscious in that case? Is what you're saying? Oh yeah. Do you think that's uh, okay? This is an excellent way to talk about the metaphysic then. Okay. Actually, we're gonna. This is gonna be like a I weird crossover. So, oh, is really. Oh, uh, holy shit! This is gonna be a weird crossover between our shows, I think. But yes, um, Jake, I'm sorry. I don't want to get into that now because we're gonna do it on Wednesday. Well, we're not really gonna go into that. So, but we're still gonna talk metaphysics. We, we may. <laughs> we're talking about. Wait, like, wait, 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 Jerry. So, OA is another one like Fringe. And, I can't even. Uh, OA uh, harkens back to what we were talking about as far as time travel being consciousness-based or scientific physics-based because the OA, through their changing their frequency as they did, they were moving into other timelines. Yeah, through the, the yogic practices, basically. Yeah. Jake, did you just mention the OA a second ago? Yes. Yeah, it's a fucking great show. It's another one. Yeah. It's not great. I, so I started watching it, it because great. of uh, what, when we talked to Alan uh, Greenfield and... Uh, Oh, yeah, did he? He was it? saying he was. Yeah, he was saying he was watching it. I was like, oh, maybe I'll check that out. I think I just finished Twin Peaks or was finishing Twin Peaks then or something. I could never finish Twin Peaks. So I. Uh, What's tw- guys? What the fuck is Twin Peaks? It's this horrible TV show from the seventies. Oh man, I love seventies. I don't in my past <laughs> at some point. I love roller disco skating bingo parlor games. All right, orchestra. <laughs> Bingo! It's now. It's no, nope, no. Nope, there goes the schizophrenia and everyone. All right, the the collective subconsciousness has just collapsed, ladies and gentlemen. There will be no refunds. We've collapsed a wave function. <laughs> I wave zero. All right. Um. Yes. Uh, we have imminent. We have achieved the eschaton. Welcome to the new world where we are Richard and Linda. Anyways, so yeah. Um. Speaking of how the fringe is supposed to be in Boston was my point. Not a, not a single episode was filmed there. Apparently. Well, Cambridge, because MIT. Yeah. It's the same. That's yeah. splitting hairs, yeah. Don't don't get caught on the fucking water drinking a beer there. Anyways. <laughs> 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 all right. So anyways, listen. All I'm saying is all it was filmed in New York at Yale. And then it was also rest of it filmed in Canada. So that was uh, awesome. One of the episodes, of course, takes place and climaxes. All right outside of my apartment so that's kind of cool yeah two story that's interesting yeah life is weird anyways so that's true that's, that's true so uh, brother joe what's your opinion of twin peaks uh bringing it back around so we're just going to dream our way through this reality my opinion of it yeah talking also about the idea what jerry brought up is it a difference between the subconscious like maybe episode eight versus the underworld which is where the uh convenience store leads to I don't know. Something, something, mashed potatoes. Garmon Bozio. Wait, are we on fringe or? Yeah, we're talking about fringe. Right we're dream right? weaving it back to Twin Peaks. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen enough fringe to be able to talk about that it's, in any degree. Um, I, I think that Twin Peaks is definitely uh, 
is heavily influenced by the subconscious, but I mean, all of Lynch's work is essentially that like you're, you're, it's all just like dreams. Like it's kind of the only way Twin Peaks makes any sense whatsoever is that it doesn't really actually, if you're looking at it as a linear thing, you know, that's, I would have to disagree with you there. That's, Please continue. Basically, um, the entire thing tells a story about what the human condition in this manifestation actually has to go through or is going through because of the choices of a select few or perhaps us all manifested through those select few or something far different that I need to learn about. I don't know. Still. Everything that that show shows us has everything to do with what I think our reality entertains a possibility for us if you have the eyes to see and the fire to walk with me. It's, I mean, it makes sense to me in the sense of trying to piece together dreams or to make sense of a trip. It's like you're, it's, it's a lot, you're, you're not getting something in the exact order that it happens you're getting chunks and pieces and you have to look at it well but of course yes like the man in the smiling bag what the hell is that or there's leo's locked inside a hungry horse yeah it's just that that's how the spirits talk to us that's what it's showing us that's what the dream logic takes if you hear that your space like oh yeah i'm not going to use any so but the point is is that because they're non-linear so well, that's right. They have a different conception or like the squares. Remember in Flatland how the sphere comes down and takes square, Mr. Square up? Similar concept. It's not going to process to us the way that this level processes. Yeah. Jerry, you must have some cool thoughts on this if you want to share. I've never seen Twin Peaks. No, but the concept, <laughs> uh, yeah, but he still knows this parlance. Well, I wasn't really listening because I don't know Twin Peaks. I didn't know what you guys were talking about. That's okay, buddy. Um, basically, interdimensionality versus what you were talking about, how you said, and I thought it was fucking awesome because it's a great thing to think about, difference between the underworld versus the subconscious having a big old motherfucking gash blown in it. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah, um, but that's what you said happened. That might be Area 51, right? Well, I was thinking about in the terms of Stranger Things and what was going on there, and I, I know that they they used the Montauk Project as a reference to build that that whole program. Yeah, that, that and really I know makes that, sense. Yeah, and I know that the Montauk Project's goal was to, uh, I had many goals, but one of them was to bring things to, uh, to manifest things from other dimensions here through, this, through a gateway. A psychic and a computer, apparently a. It's just supposed to be one of the goals with CERN too. Yeah, a, a Cray computer was used at the original Montauk, but um, as we all know, we've heard the stories of of Junior, the monster of the ID that came out of uh, Cameron. What's his name? Yeah, a psychic. Uh, they they had some kind of James Cameron. Is that it? 
I don't I think remember. just a gi- Titanic pile of shit came out of James Cameron. Not James Cameron. I don't remember the like James. James. But, uh, Cam- uh, I know you're uh, talking about though. It was the. But it's also yeah. Al Bielig's brother, Duncan Cameron, is the guy's name. Duncan Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. So he was right. the psychic in the project. He was hooked up to the Cray, and through their programs and this, the goofy antennas they made and all that shit, they were able to get some kind of Bigfoot thing to come and manifest in reality. Bigfoot? For all intents and purposes, it was a Bigfoot. No, my point is that's fascinating because they are interdimensional as far as I'm concerned. Me too. Like they're Fordian. So basically it's a thickening, it's a Fordian thickening machine. Well, that doesn't, like anybody who's seriously researched it for a long time, whether it's UFOs or Sasquatch or all kinds of stuff like that. They're all, they're all related for one thing and they all, They'll start going non-physical. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm going to have Chris Chris Garitano on my show. In a, oh, right next on. Year, next year. Some, that like makes January. perfect sense. So uh, I'll definitely bring this up. I want to get into that with him because I there's really no details. And Preston Nichols is dead now. I don't know if Duncan's still alive. Well, hey, he's been dead be for a while. Has yeah, the UFO community like is certainly changing as as we as we live and breathe right now. The UFO community is changing. You know what I mean? But I think that the uh, the doomed ch- the doomed chuckleheads are on the way out for sure. I think that a lot of people with integrity and who have balls <laughs> the are doomed gonna, chuckleheads. Is that what I think a lot of people that? who have I think a lot of people who have integrity and who have balls and who have truth on their side are going to really be starting to get heard, and that's going to make a huge wave of difference. The actual quality of the UFO community is improving, and that's positive by every extent of any imagination. Yep, <laughs> the doom chuckle is that what they're calling the the blue chicken crowd these days? Or they're already done. That's what that's that's why they're doomed. Yep. Well, what about and like TSA? Like that didn't ever go anywhere either, did it? The TSA, yeah. I mean, isn't that the, the thing that checks your stuff the, at the airport or what? Well, no, there was the two of the stars academy. I just never thought about how it's the TTSA. Oh, uh, yeah. T- now, TTSA, this is what you got to understand. TTSA has PTSD from just being such a pile of suck. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> TTSA, uh, if you read their, their company charter or whatever, their mission statement, they're a media company. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, hyper, hyper media comes some some weird term. That's one of those postmodern like non-term terms. Right. So anyway, the whole thing with DeLong and that thing was to basically launch TTSA as this media company, which produced that unidentified show. For yeah, 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 yeah. This was a two-year-long marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Dark journalists, was. dark journalists, like buried that body a long time ago. And uh, they're getting rid of DeLong now. So now, oh, yeah. now, now we're left with the spooks. <laughs> oh, man. Then they're going to eat Nothing but the spooks. So. The the crabs, in the, crabs in a bucket's going to eat each other. Crabs in a bucket. <laughs> I love that well, song. Uh, DeLong also just sold a bunch of uh, meta material to TTSA. What? Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. From, Thank you. Did he, well, how'd he get it from Bigelow? Yeah. Whatever. That's Why are they telling us? It's bullshit. Show me the shit. It's all, it's, it's all about money. It's all about, about well, it's all about perception. 
is what it really is. If okay? they can't show us the stuff on camera, it's all, it does not exist. Jerry's correct. Period. Jerry's correct. The show me. The, and if they had it, they would have just shown it. It's the um, show. Me, well, it's the show me reality, and it's yeah. also it's either it's there or not. If it's not, don't concern yourself with it or don't treat it as valid. Honestly, the reason why I even brought it up, the sale aspect, was that he is on his way out of the company, and he is now selling meta materials to TTSA, which could also be looked at a way of pulling money out of the company. He sold yeah. some, some like two or three items for like 35 grand, which is nothing in the world of like dark money. But like if he's on his way out, it kind of, you know, maybe they're just buying him. Yeah. That's how they're buying him out. We're not going to give you severance, but here's some of the bullshit meta material you could sell. <laughs> I mean, he sold it. He sold it to the company. Oh, he sold itself. it to them. He yeah. Sold it to oh, them how did he get it? That's the question. Yeah, that is the question. <laughs> I never thought he had it. I always thought the Bigelow had it. And Bigelow got it from NIDS and the government. <sighs> it's also questionable. I mean, this all sounds very believable to me, guys. It's I'm I'm willing to buy this hook, line, and sinker, and please don't ask any questions because obviously, blah 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 blah. Because you'll get canceled. Yeah, time. it doesn't hit any red flags at all, right? No, <laughs> not a ridic- one. The whole thing's ridiculous, and anyone yeah, going getting, for it's you know. And they're they're pushing the whole like materiality of it too hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, which is what I got. Which is how which, I know it's total bullshit. Because, that's yeah. how you know it's a government psyop. That's right. Yeah. Right, they're just covering up. In my opinion, they're just it's like covering the, up. It's like the it's like the straight guy in the stoners. He's just like, all right, guys, let's smoke some of that marijuana cigarette. You know, it was a second red flag is uh, fucking Luis Elizondo showing up on all the news shows. Straight up, Tucker Carlson, uh, Anderson Cooper, yada yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys listen? Did you guys listen to the new Rogan episode with what's his name? That uh, Navy pilot. No, not yet. The Tic Tac. Yeah, it was interesting. That's, that's me, I just want to state for the record here that I, I do believe that those films are real. And I do believe that there are objects out there like that that can do that. I tend to think that they're... Um, they're I, I, believe, I do not think they're made by anything other than humans. And I'm on the same page. The Navy doesn't know who made them. <laughs> And, you know, <laughs> this goes back to fucking Admiral Byrd and Operation High Jump when they went down to fight the Nazis uh, in Antarctica. Back yeah, in I'm willing to entertain that. You know, and this ties into Walter Bosley's Breakaway Civilization. So well, we know that the Nazis of, were working. Sure. We know that the Nazis were working on that type of stuff. So, like, exactly. Lots, lots of different cultures where I'm sure that we don't even know about the Nazis. Here's the thing. What we well, know no, about- let, me just say, let me just say, the Nazis get thrown to us because they're a classic polar party like the Russians. Yes. Who else exactly. is? That too. However, you have to realize that what we know or we think we know about what the Nazis had or didn't have technologically is just what we've been told. We have have no idea what they were doing. And who told us that, you know, obviously the spooks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and who are the spooks? Right. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other. In an interesting way, even the the dreaded, like, stupid group of hateful people, Nazis and such, gets us back to our original point: service versus non-servium. 
You know, what are we doing right now? Right now, right now. I mean, lots of people make podcasts. This will be listened to. This will go away. Things like that happen. Our lives do that. Things happen. But for now, right now, maybe this is a value. I would like to think that we could do something once in a while, even my own self, humbly, mind you, that could be something that's useful and that actually sparks something that's going to like ricochet or echo or ripple. And I think that's important to keep in mind with each of our days of our lives. Not just that, you know, maybe they're not going to be over at the end of the day. Maybe they really could be. And I'm not saying that it's that easy to always live that intensely, but I'd like to think that once in a while we could start to move things in a great turn direction, just some a little bit of an adult responsibility towards this seemingly monumental task, but nothing else is important because otherwise we're all just a bunch of rotten Aussie diases. All I'm saying to, re- to just really bring this home to what I'm trying to say right now, Alex Gray talks about the artwork on Fear Inoculum, talking about the great turn, how it's our gigantic body of consciousness and all of us can turn in one direction it's like a tide and i would like to think that we can turn in that right direction even the mlk moral arc of justice whatever the right fucking direction spiraling upwards and eternally outwards that's what i would like to see for us so i hope we can do that and it's not some big deal it's not it's just what we choose to do yeah I make it up as I go along, and I have, a, <laughs> I have a Leo moon, so, you know, it's true, though. I don't know, just, you know. I have a Leo ascendant, so. No, well, yeah, for sure, but uh, my, yeah, and the Leo would be, like, talking about the Leo. It's like, I'm a Leo, Leo, oh, Leo, 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 anyways. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, I'm a Leo, you know, such a Leo statement. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I was, I was at Alex, here's how we do this, this is cool, the, the, the spiral continues, I was at Alex Gray's full moon barbecue in um leo moon in august 2017 so that was super cool uh it was the leo full moon barbecue and dude i was like oh just such a great day that's when i met him and he called me imagine nathan that day was the leo moon imagine nathan that's cool <laughs> yeah it was it was just an, it was an astounding 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 time but anyways, Leo loves to talk about Leo, but like, anyways, my point is service. So service to others, service itself. How much, you know, Leo likes, okay, this is an excellent example to illustrate with naturally. Um, so let's solar spotlight this idea. Actually, we were talking about Let me finish the thought, which is that Leo likes to actually really be felt, you know, they liked attention. They like positive attention. But Leo can burn too brightly, and they need the right kind of attention. It's the same thing with service. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because going back to the everything needing to be in balance and everything, like to the, to the Nazis, they thought they were serving a greater purpose. That, you know, they weren't, it wasn't service to self to them. You know what I mean? No, That's one probably. way of avoiding responsibility. It's just like, yeah. nope, I'm doing this for the better good, you know. Yep. So obviously, probably somebody in the upper echelons was a lot more service to self. But. Well, I mean, what entity were they feeding? That's uh, that's a really good question. I think it's a good question. Or entities, yeah. sure. Or like the tradition, the the thought form, the Gregor, or even the Jungian archetype. I don't know. It was definitely something. <laughs> it's our system, right? Like that kind of thing. 
Yeah. Well, anyways, I think that it's interesting that we can look at them all these things from this perspective. But again, it brings it back down to what are we even doing with our time here together as we try to figure out these things? Are we just talking? You know, is this or is there something of some organic sustenance in here that's nutritious and yummy for that reason? Right now or with our lives in general? Right now and with our lives in general. I hope so. It is weird for the machine to look at the machine, so to speak. Yeah, that's a hard question to answer with any sort of uh, you know, I don't think anybody could answer that authoritatively. You would probably have to be dead to be able to answer that question. <laughs> Even so, who's winning at history at that time and all that jazz? Yeah. But I suppose if you're, you know, I think that's nice about art. As long as you make powerful enough art, different regimes will like your shit. You know, there's the way to look at life that way, too. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Know. <laughs> I don't even think, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even think about it. I just, ma like, I'm making it up. I, I really don't. There, maybe there is a truth to that, that maybe my 35-year-old mind hasn't even really cogitated yet. Time waiteth for no man. All that jazz. So to our youngest member here, Jerry. <laughs> You've begun painting. Yeah. What's like the impetus? Like, what got you? Like, why? Well, why not? For you one. know what I mean, though. But like, was it like that's what was the synchronicity? What was this? What happened? You're like, oh, Bob Ross or what? Oh, I've always loved Bob Ross and uh, William Bill Alexander before him. I mean, I've always watched that shit, and I've always that. always wanted to try it because it looks super simple. It's not, by the way. It is and it isn't. Um, but it's uh, like it's like learning to play chess you know you can figure right. it out i just need i need more hobbies because i only had a couple only a few i my main hobby used to be like writing code i would just write open source code all all day long on my on the weekends and shit i'm just tired of writing code so um, you're an extremely intelligent insightful and feeling man you need to dig into all of this stuff and share it with us i'm telling you there could be a jerry museum Perhaps. Look at the fucking bulls. He, see, I'm just, I like your stuff at the end. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I haven't found my, what I'm really good at artistically yet. How's that? So I'm just going through all the mediums. I think it's so freeing and fun and just nice that you do that. Um, You're Joe, pretty good with the lathe there. I gotta say that. Right? Billy Joe, do you paint at all? I used to. Yeah, can you get into that a little bit? Because like I know that you share with me on the first, first, first Six of Swords. Oh yeah, some of your paintings. Yeah, I, I haven't painted in years. I haven't even drawn in years. Uh, I I got I thought like growing up I always did. Uh, I always took art classes. I was always fairly artistically inclined, like not enough to be an artist, like predominantly. But I've always enjoyed it. 
And I would say probably in like 2010, 2011, I was going through weird life stuff. And I just started, I would sketch out of um, Grey's Anatomy. And I would just, you know, draw. And I started just sketching, uh, you know, like legs and tendons and hearts and just all sorts of, I don't know, whatever looked fun. And I was using those little fine tip micron pens. So I get like, I just got really into the detail. I would get, I would get really stoned and just draw super fine line drawings. And from there I got into watercolor painting, which is so hard. And yeah, then watercolor is difficult. it's crazy how hard it is. It's hard to be good at it or even like passable. Yeah. That's why I went with oil paints. Yeah, I, 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 by the time I was falling out of time to create things that I was just starting to get into oil painting, I did a lot of acrylic and acrylic's fun because you can really, it's like, it's cheap and you can uh, get all sorts of weird like paint conditioners and like to thicken up your paint or thin it down right. or to like, like prolong how long it takes for it to dry. So it's more right. similar to oils. When I'm when I get sick of oil painting, I'm going to start doing some acrylic pours. Try that out because that looks pretty cool. Uh, yeah, a yeah. world of painting, a world of wonder. Um, Jake, do you I also got some resin to do some resin casting. So resin cat, dude, you got everything. Yeah, going. that's cool stuff. He's got everything going on. Jake, what about you, bro? Painting? Um, yeah, I haven't done it before, but I've never. I'm not like a like. Painter calligraphy maybe or some like you know like like ink and shit um i mean i've done so many arts and crafts type stuff but like and i always enjoy it but i've never get i never stuck with one thing long enough to get really good at it you know i keep hearing that like that seems to be a refrain that like practice does really matter yeah I mean, it's with anything you do it all the time, you're going to get good at it. It's also just relaxing. Oh, yeah. Like, Alice, when I get to playing Alice, I actually get into, like, a mystic trance at this point. I've been playing her for over two decades and two years, 22 years. I love what happens with the intimacy that happens between her and I. I can feel the tension, the litheness of the tones, and I tell you what, I actually tell you, I know that I'm opening portals, vortexes, and other wormholes with this machine. I love Alice. She loves me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Music's super fucking important as another form of art. As far as visual guys, I've done different stuff. Nothing like none of the, like y'all are saying, not enough practice. I do, however, have quite a bit of practice with calligraphy not the writing but with doing ink paintings and drawings of that nature i do have a quite a bit of practice with that and that's something i quite enjoy it's a simple medium it's black and white that's cool awesome. i really enjoyed oil painting i just never it's expensive to get into because the paints are really expensive you know, like canvases and all that stuff it can be i probably i probably spent about 200 bucks yeah, and I got a, maybe not that much, but I, I bought I bought cheap paints like a uh, Hobby Lobby twenty four piece set 
Dick Blick's got, I, I've expanded now. I've got a Dick Blick. I got a big easel. Yeah, I was going to where you get your stuff at. The uh, Dick Blick. Hobby Chef. There's, <laughs> there's a Dick Blick right near me in uh, Woodstock or Camp, um, Alpharetta. I'm not sure where it's at. It might be in Roswell. But, but they have paint. I hope you've been enjoying this so far. There's not much really housekeeping-wise to say. The Invisibles Reading Group, again, 11-11 is when it starts. That is November 11th, 2019. Uh, you will need a copy of the Invisibles to join us. Again, part of the uh, donation inwards is to get on to the private group, but also you will have access, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, to a, no a totally non-existent, a nodally non-existent, PDF file, so you'll you'll even if you can't get your hands on it, and which is why you haven't heard me talking so much about where you can get it. But th now's a good, great time to do that. Uh, eBay, <laughs> Amazon, your local comic store if you can get there. The best way to buy it, in my opinion, is the Omnibus. I am a go big or go home kind of guy, so get the Omnibus if you can. Now, if you want to do it and you're more of a trade kind of person, go for that. If you can get them, I know some people have the uh, individual paper uh, copies so if you have those that's all the more cool um each way is great and if you just prefer a pdf there's also uh you know an option in that way apparently wink wink nudge nudge again so i think that's all that we really need to know for now about that and back to the show as long as you know, this is where in the show that those who have donated between 50 to 200 go. Beneath 49.99 or well, beneath 50, at 49.99 and below, you get the anonymous section. Of course, for 50 up to 199.99 American dollars, you will get your name and credits read here for his producers of the show as well. And I appreciate everyone who's done that and who continues to and who will. So don't forget, this show is only going to get better with these donations, especially at the early part of this when I'm able to get my gear back into this century just about. You, uh, you would appreciate that. <laughs> it's almost fringe magic we're going on here. But as it were, science and magic combined in this show, and pleasure as it is the Six of Cups. So let's get back to that, shall we? Thanks for listening, guys. All right, here we go. Yeah, no, um, scientists today only have turtles upon turtles to rely upon, which is a metaphor that comes from a metaphysical standpoint in the first place. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the way science works today is that they, they choose a model and then they set out to prove it. And the model they chose is flawed. Whether or not that was on purpose is a different question. Great question, though. That is a great question. Well, there are people who would say that it is. You know, you've got a Jesuit came up with the Big Bang. Was it Lemaitre? Yeah. Was his theory. Um, Einstein was a, a fuzzy-haired crackpot, according to Tesla. <laughs> and a lot of other people. Yeah. <laughs> Including his teachers. <laughs> yeah. He was a patent clerk, for Christ's sakes. He was a whatever. Whatever. We don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't there. But his wife did all his math. Brother Joe, what do you think about Einstein? Do you have any insight into the mystical? That's according life? to the uh, Council on Foreign Relations member, Walter Isaacson's uh, ah, autobiography. Isaacson. 
Interesting. Brother Joe, what do you think about uh, Einstein, Stein, Stein, Ein? <laughs> I, I mean, anyone who's dead's work can only go for so long, you know? I mean, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, we were talking about um, isms and, you know, like dogmas in terms of philosophy. I think the same goes for science. Like, there's been a lot more of the, so, so here's the thing. So they've got this model. They set out to prove it. And, and at, at a certain point, things are going to not fit into their model. And that's what's happening now. They're finding a lot of shit that doesn't work. And they're, the way they play it is like, this shouldn't exist. Like, it's, yeah. like, like that thing is wrong for being there because it's not in their model. Because they, yeah, because they're so uh, enamored of their ideas to find out their bullshit <laughs> so now they've got stars that are too big and planets that are too big and black holes that aren't real and whatnot yeah but they got a picture of it man. But they, <laughs> they got a cgi of it yeah <laughs> i mean i think it comes down to they're trying to i mean it comes down to belief and they they would have to rewrite all their books they would no longer have authority they would have to, I mean, it's their career. It's so. everyone's career. <laughs> it's not our problem. No, it's not. I'm not trying to uh, give them a pass. No, you're not. I'm just trying to humanize their fuck up. You know, it's like they, of course, like, how do you backpedal? I think they should. I, right. I don't mind. I don't mind the fuck up. What I might, what I despise is the cowardice to come forward with actual facts. I think, the whole point, I think the, I think the whole new point, theories, I, new I, theories. The whole point comes down to we need to be doing what works. And no matter whether or not this whole dissectional attitude towards reality and to piecemeal different academic even endeavors in the end, the way that it's doled out to the what inevitably becomes the consciousness of the reality. Or, you know, whether it's the same way we can say in medical ways of hacking the body apart isn't the way to heal it. It's the same thing, you know, we need to do what works and we need to go with what we believe in now. We're lucky enough to have free minds. So we're the ones who we should be uh, talking amongst and, you know, looking to for our solutions, you know. Well, it's like they say science advances one death at a time. Isn't that true, though? <laughs> it's so true with everything, though. I mean, it's only no. as real as the people who are living inside of it at that time. Well, we were kind of talking about this earlier, Nate. Like, how do you know you're wrong? How do you know your reality tunnel is skewed? And how do you see outside of it? Exactly. At what point does that? At, at what point does that that something click? And you're like, oh shit. Well, how, most people these days, reality tunnels are so. I don't even know if you could really call them reality tunnels. Has it ever been different than this? Um, exactly. I don't know. It's very know, because now because of the internet. Yeah. That's different. That's how it's ever been different. Um, um, and some of the stuff I'm talking about, some of the tropes I'm talking about, I definitely didn't used to exist. But here's the thing that we're talking about, especially to relate it back to servitim and non-servitim or in, in any of these paths or whatever. 
It really has to do with how willing are we to look at when we're fucking up and are we willing to, pardon my language naturally in that way, but how willing are we to, how are we even looking at when we're actually in that process of being less than we could be and how willing are we to do something about that even on terms of being honest with ourselves and catching us from certain angles that maybe we never ever had before and didn't want to but need to face the F up to. That's a kind of, Joe, is that kind of what we were talking about in a way? Uh, yeah, um, I think so. Uh, in a, in a, I feel like this is a topic that, or kind of like a, this is a shape that we've talked about on a lot of different shows. Oh, yes. Where it's like, how do you know? How do you know when it's time? Like, like how, you know, it's like, how do you do better in the world? How do you help people? get on this path if that's the path they're supposed to follow how do you know that you're stuck in a reality tunnel how do you know these things and we've talked about it so much and i don't know i don't know that there's an answer to that because you could go through your entire life and never wake up i don't think i've woken up you know like what we were talking about today uh, earlier it's like you know i've been practicing for a long time and i still realize that i'm caught you know and i just only recently had one of those wake up moments when i realized that I was believing something that wasn't true. You know, it's like I, I got stuck in my own reality and thought that it was the only one. But how do you, how do, what's the catalyst for that change? I have no idea. Jake, do you have anything to add to that? Um, well, I'm kind of where he's at. Like, how do you, as far as like having a catalyst where you could trigger that effect on demand i don't know how to you know because uh that's like actually something i experienced quite a bit is that hey people don't even like seem to care about facts anymore you know what i mean so like you know it's with science but it's with society too like it's all across the board like uh they'll change the facts to suit their opinions i guess rather than the other way around which is where we're coming from by saying that no matter what inside of us we want to tell ourselves we need to listen to a deeper fact whatever that seems like yeah and the uh, internet the echo chamber doesn't help because yeah, well, wouldn't you agree that if there's a difference right there as plain as night and day then one of them would seem to be leading in the direction towards self-actualization where the other one would be leading towards a world of torment and uh, eventual decay and desiccation and shattering yeah well it's like thinking about the uh, um what was that the uh the eighth sphere or whatever that uh yes i was thinking of daoth earlier as well well no i was thinking about the gurdjieff or not gurdjieff oh good point eighth sphere sorry my brain went straight to that i wonder if there's a connection between daoth and the eighth sphere but anyways yes the aramonic that would make sense because daoth is on the have you guys uh, have you guys noticed that there is a sickness going around recently like a cold that a lot of people couldn't quite get over has anyone else noticed that I noticed a lot of people were getting that. Joe, uh, so Joe, what about you? Uh, no, I don't really go around other people. 
all that much. <laughs> Gary, what about down there? Uh, you're in the same area as Dave, just about. Yeah, I haven't been around. I, I, no one, no. I haven't seen any people around me that are sick, but at work where I work remote, so, but down there, there's people sick all the fucking time. Crazy, right? Yeah. I oh. think that we're, I was joking with, uh, with someone earlier saying that I wonder if they activated one of those DNA things and it's people adjusting to the new biome. <laughs> and well, that like, was the thing because, like, if I could just say there's that whole measles scare in Boston and the Tripoli e and all that jazz, so I'm like, oh, yeah, no, they're just turning on a new DNA switch. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that was the thing that kind of struck me as I, because you know, it was all people I know online, and there was wide geographic differences between them, you know, like, like my wife was sick, she's in Bulgaria. Sorry to hear that. Other people in Texas, other people in Indiana, like all over the place. You know? We're also in a seasonal change. So yeah. I personally don't think it's that crazy if people get sick right now. It seems like a lot of people are getting a lot sicker than they usually get, which is why I bring it up. But it might just be hmm. a conceptual thing that I'm making a foible during this period of timeline. But at the same time, maybe there really was something weird that happened because it seems like there's people who are just getting really sick from this shit. And I'm like, that's not normal. I'm wondering if this is a different kind of thing going on. I have my own reasons for thinking this, but I just wonder. It could be that. It could also be like a strain of, you know, a virus that's going around a specific, specific areas. It could also be. It's interesting that we bring this all up, of course, and it could be, of course. I'd say that's the Dana. I'm, I'm putting forth the Fox Mulder theory. You're putting forth the Dana Scully theory. And, of course, today's Chris Carter's 1013 birthday, the day of the burning of Jacques de Molay, origin of Friday the 13th. That being true, I made this. I'm going to have to add that to the show. But, yeah, it's <laughs> Chris Carter's birthday. His name's Christopher C. Carter. This dude was born to make magic. He That's is magic. CCC333. Precisely. So, anywho, yep, that's real. And that's, uh, you know, it's all, it's all magical. I mean, David Duchovny's birthday, plus him being in Twin Peaks. I mean, the whole thing writes itself, if you will. Or he wrote it. I made this. Yeah, it's very good. So, <laughs> um, yeah, do you guys kind of – let's do a quick fun thing here. Um, Brother Joe – Jake and Jerry, each one of you, do you have a favorite X Files episode? And if you don't, why the fuck not? It's been so long since I've seen the X Files, it's hard to say. I should say, oh, no. Jake, Jake, you go first. You're alphabetical. <laughs> Jake, Jerry, Joe. I would say maybe uh, that the first episode when they relaunched it a couple years ago, I think. Because they were like saying stuff in there. Oh, is that the uh, season ten with the Tad O'Malley character? Yeah, and my struggle. Because like, it was those first few episodes, they were really saying a lot, and then it's like you could tell they said what they needed to say. Because then after that, it was just like whatever. They did the wear monster and stuff after that. Yeah, you're talking about 2016 season ten, sure. Yeah, 2016. That's what it was. It was interesting that they did 2016 and then 2017 was Twin Peaks and then 2018 was X-Files again. Um, Jerry, do you have a favorite X-Files episode? I don't remember what episode number or season it was, but it was the one where they went to the freak show and Jim Rose was uh, 
Jim, Jim Rose is a, uh, a dude out in Vegas who used to run a freak show, a traveling freak show. Yeah, you're talking. Yeah, about, I remember that. You're talking about the episode called titled "Humbug," and it had the Fiji mermaid. Maybe, but and it had, had the guy, the geek, who ate him at the end. Is this my turn to tell a story or yours? I'm telling you, that's what the episode is. Go on. It's, it's the one where the guy had his brother who was half born and was kind of attached to him under his his shirt, who was telling him to kill people. Remember that? That was the episode. I remember that one, yeah. Great yeah, episode. episode. Yeah, that was my favorite one. He was, uh, the, ap- the actor you're talking about was Jojo or Jim Jim the dog-faced boy. He was the sheriff no, in the episode. No, no that was uh, Wilson. Owen Wilson's brother was the sheriff in the episode. Owen Wilson's brother? Yeah. I Luke Wilson? Luke Wilson, thank you. No shit. Okay, yeah. cool. But, um, so, wait, who was Jim Rose then? Jim Rose is the guy, is a real guy. His yep. real name is Jim Rose. He lives in Vegas, and he used to run this freak show. I forget the name, but it was some kind of circus or something. Something. It was something. Jim Rose's uh, yeah festival or circus of. Uh, I, forget I, for, exactly. I forget what it's called, yeah. but yeah, it's very that's cool. what that's what they use in that episode. And later, like four or five years later, I actually met Jim Rose in Vegas and played oh. poker with him for like eight hours. Oh, that's cool, dude. Would you guys? Well, was there anything that came was up the, of significance? Was it the Riviera? I learned a lot of poker from him at the time, and. I, he told me some good Penn Jillette stories, but I don't remember them though. This was right right before Penn and Teller opened up their new theater in the Rio. I used to go to Vegas a lot. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, right on, Brother Joe. Favorite X Files. So uh, my favorite, I, I think it is probably Home. Aha. That's, uh, what is it? Uh, episode two, season four. Season four, episode two. Yeah. It's or maybe, with, is it three? Uh, uh, Wikipedia is telling me that it's season four. No, no, no. It's season, season four, episode two or three or four. It says two. That's right. Okay, good. Yeah, because it was episode 42. Yes. And that was the foremother from the inbreeding. Yeah amputee hidden under the like floorboards of the house yeah with that famous like hissing scene that she yeah, does yeah and it opens up with like the old like kind of like motowny doo-wop music and like the convertible car they're driving it, it's it's i think it might be one of the most in my opinion the most disturbing x-files episodes and probably at the time it was one of the most disturbing things i'd seen on television Oh, absolutely, dude! It was it was insane the way that the blood was coming up from the ground and everything. That one was, yeah. So I gotta go with um. This is like one of the hardest things to go with because you could almost treat New X Files like almost like a different show and say that oh, I love the Lost Art of Forehead Sweat, but you know I wouldn't. I'd have to say ultimately the postmodern Prometheus, uh, takes the cake. Although I have a soft spot for the field, uh, the field where I died. That's a hugely excellent episode. Field Trip is great, too. I don't know. There's too many great ones. Jose Chung. Right now, it's not fair. Small Potatoes. Uh, Humbug is excellent. You know? Anyways, uh, I have a, also DPO is excellent. I don't know. I just named them all. But ultimately, Postmodern Prometheus. Probably the best one. 
that's the one where they have the guy who's um fumigating houses and he's dancing and with the wives and oh yeah that was really good walking in memphis at the end of it god yeah that episode is great isn't it that's such a weird episode oh yeah oh man i need to watch that again it's golden yeah that was like a dream like that's not even like that's such a bizarre episode I think, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, or as I like to say, 1,111%. Um, everyone here chose great things tonight. That's really cool. And it's, um, I bet you that if Chris Carter ever listened to this, fellow Libra, bring it, that would be, uh, he'd probably be happy to hear some of these. All, uh, none of us said Teso del Beach, uh, Beach, Bechos or whatever. The episode with cats. Yeah, it turned, guys, this better not turn out to be cats. Anyways. You know, the other episode I really liked was uh, the dude's name was Coombs, he was a. Uh, I think it yep. was called Fluke. No, you're thinking of Eugene Victor Tombs. Uh, Fluke Tombs, man was yeah. a different one. Tombs no, no. was the Liverman guy. Liverman. He lived Carl. for years in the walls after consuming five years every twenty or thirty something years. That's I Eugene liked, Victor. I Tombs. Liked, that was the one that had cerulean blue, and no, that was the Pusher. No, that was Pusher. He had yeah, two episodes as well, like Tombs did. Right, but there was the other one, the fluke one, that was pretty good too. With the guy yeah, the fluke man and humbug kind of go together, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah great stuff, guys. Um, so before we go, let's see. I think we covered a lot of stuff. So I think that I want to say that Chris Carter shows service to self and others by creating a show where he had freaking beautiful artistry, occult depth that I just admire and cherish and just fun creative zeitgeist busting characters and everything about it i mean yet he really did more than i could ever say that some i I just as an artist and what he did for whatever our reality is he's given us one of the greatest gifts along up there with magnum opus dwelling god of art like David Lynch and Salvador Dali and Goethe and Frida Kahlo and Gertrude Stride. I don't know, just the greats. Mark Twain too, brother Mark Twain. Anywho, so yeah, um, I really I want to say that he shows service to self and others. He's like doing what he loves, but it happens to be really helpful. So I I don't know. That's exact. That's as it's not it's not exactly as profound. As I could say, it could be, but that's kind of what I want to do with my life. Or when I say kind of, I mean, that's what I'm doing with my life. Anyways, do you guys have any other uh, thoughts about this and maybe some art that inspires you we could leave on? Uh, Simpsons, MC Escher, Pixies. I got nothing. <laughs> Jerry's like art. What the fuck is that? Look at Jerry's art. That's that's what. I think that's an answer. Uh, I, I have one. Uh, it's beware though. It's programmer art. Programmer art will do things to your mind, MK Ultra style. All right, brother Joe, hit us with what you got. Uh, go and look up Ernst Heichel. If you oh have- yeah, Heichel is pretty cool. He, he he did all of these biological drawings, kind of like think the Audubon Society, but for like jellyfish and lizard. I mean, he did everything, but it's 
it's incredibly psychedelic, but not because he was taking drugs. His art is just incredible. It's so weird and just awesome. Well, yeah, Alex several... Gray said he was one of the big influences. Oh, that's fascinating. I have several postcards with his work over here. Alex Gray is also cool, but yeah, I have the public domain review likes to use his stuff because it's available and that. And I want to turn everyone on to the public domain review. You should check that out. They were the same ones we had the Tracy Twyman synchronicity with on Heretics Anonymous with Alex Rivera and Miguel Connor when she talked about Jeremy Boob and the whole thing with the Theosophical Society and the Tulpa. That was on the same postcard set as Hegel's work. Yeah, Joe, I fucking love that guy too. He is psychedelic. I didn't know that Alex Gray said that. That's cool. He was a real game changer for because, me. When yeah. I was getting into it. Because Alex Gray started his thing with anatomical drawings. You guys know what's so funny about you saying that is that when I was at the Strand getting the same, um, I was talking about the astronomy book earlier and learning how to know each other. This is the book that I found there, and I had to get it. It's one of the other books that I had a synchronicity getting. It is The Architecture and Design of Man and Woman, and it's by Alexander Tsiaris, or Cyrus, or T-S-I-A-R-A-R-A-S. Tsiaris. Yeah, right? Yeah. He's, uh, he's the host of Skeptico. That's right. I was going to say it. The host of Skeptico did, but I'm skeptical about that because this guy has an out-of-print book here. It's actually really what was fascinating to me is when I opened it up, it says mirrored in nature and it shows different parts of the body. Like you'll never be able to unsee the human eye and a lamprey eel mouth. <laughs> so, I mean, just beautiful, beautiful things as above, so below things. Yeah. So anyways, um, I too have a affinity for this topic and synchronicities. What's that brother Joe? Is that not Bosch? I can't see very far from this. It's probably oh, it looks like Hermione's Bosch from a distance. I was going to mention Hermione's Bosch too. So there you yeah. My mom had my mom was a cool person. Apparently, she had posters of Hermione's Bosch and studied Goethe. Not bad, dude. Yeah, guys. So that's cool. I think we got a lot of good art. Jerry, you don't have any art you want to share, like music, maybe something you've been listening to recently. No, I haven't been listening to anything. TV or film? Yeah, I already went through all that. You're not going to share anything with us? Didn't you, record, didn't you record it before? All right. So interesting things that I've watched lately. On, on Netflix, I saw there's an anime cartoon, like six or eight episode, uh, new show called Seis Manos, Six Hands, about some orphan children in Mexico who are being... Uh, brought up by a, a sensei so they're like super kung fu people and there's demons in their town so that's really interesting there's an also um raising dion on netflix is pretty cool little kid superhero movie and there's a show on amazon called undone which everyone should watch undone undone yeah it's like eight episodes it's, it's on uh, amazon yeah i'll check it out dude thank you what yeah, was that one about uh, don't tell me too much, but uh, let me ask it's you about, one question. It's Has, about consciousness. Yeah, well, Let's put it yeah, that way. Let me ask you this. Has anyone seen Electric uh, Sheep or whatever yeah. it's called? Electric Dreams? I watched a couple of them. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I've seen some of them. That got tiresome after a while. As all Philip K. Dick does. L-O-L. 
All right. Well, with that note, let's. He's, get... he's a stuffy writer. That's all I can say. Philip, like, like Philip K. Dick stuff, that actually would have made a good TV show before the age of binge watching. Yeah. Where you only see it once a week, you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, really those, good for that. Some yeah. of those stories are really well executed, and some of them just leave me high and dry. And some of them leave me like, I don't know how to feel about what I just saw. Yeah, yeah that was a lot like of a, times. It's like he's trying to say something, but he's not doing that, that great of a that job new, of it all the time. That new Black Mirror that came out where they were in the video game fucking him and his friend. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, it's like, it's called Viper, I think where they get this game, it's a virtual reality game, and two good friends, both guy, both guys, both hetero, go into the game, and one of them plays a girl, and then they start having sex in the game. The characters do. Hmm. It's, it's one of those, I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> like, uh... Well, that's kind, of, that's kind of a huge topic we can get into on another show. I think that gets into an important... In magic, we have polarities, and in life, we have chaos in that certain sense. So where does that come into appreciating value and humanity and practicality and reality as well? That's a huge topic. But yeah, I mean, they had video game sex, and it was two dudes. I mean, if it feels the same, but, uh, you know, so you're going to end up with messy underpants afterwards. That's, they didn't explain that. LOL. Yeah, I'm just saying, though, like, humans should not get hung up on mind traps of who or what they think their definition should be as long as they're consenting adults oh, oh, oh no no i was not uh, no i agree i know you weren't i know you weren't yeah, yeah, yeah. okay okay yeah yeah don't get a good point that's all humanitarian is, you know put yourself in that situation it's like in the moment it's cool but then you think back and i'm like oh my god fucking my best friend uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think good fences make good neighbors sometimes. Yeah. So um, that being said, guys, uh, thank you all for being here. Jerry, do you want to have anything uh, you want to plug before we go? Just the show with you on Wednesday night. Ooh, baby. All right. Thank you. Uh, that's going to be coming up live this Wednesday uh, at, we'll figure that out as we are closer. I got this, I got this weird pre-existing thing, but we'll figure it out. It's a pre-existing in a great way, of course, pre-existing in the beneficial way. Of, of magnifold beneficial uh, blessings. That being said, Wait, Chuck, what shows what shows at Wednesday? I'll be on the obelisk. The obelisk. Oh, cool! It's our new show. It's a uh, whenever the full moon, that week of the full moon, which is tomorrow, by the way, full yeah. harvest moon. It's right. No, it's now. tonight. It's tonight. Sorry, it's tonight. So this week is our obelisk show. Every twenty-eight days. That's what I thought was sweet about having you on here tonight. It connects the two magnetically. There you go. All right, bro. Uh, that bro. magic bitch. <laughs> All right, bitches. Let's work it now. Uh, Jake. Yeah. Us four bitches here working our four magicses. What you got going on? Well, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> you have anything you want to plug, like your show? Or... Oh, yeah. I got my show, um, Bitwave. Um, we're getting this right. I just started it a couple weeks ago, and it's still kind of taking on its own flavor, you know, but, uh, but last week was really, or yesterday, it was really interesting, and, uh, yeah, other than that, I just worked too much at my regular job for now, so. <laughs> no, you got a, you got a good Capricorn in you, my man, so I respect that, and speaking of good Capricorn, Brother Joe, what you got going on that you want to plug? 
Uh, well, I am, I've kind of got a lot in the works, but nothing concrete. Um, I've got my uh, blog, Strange Waves, which I'm kind of working towards being almost like an umbrella, kind of like brand. And one of the first shows I'm working on for that is called Secret Chefs. And it's going to be essentially a magical food, probably video podcast, kind of, or, you know, vlog, whatever people call them these days. And that, that whole idea is just kind of going to explore, like, the things that we eat and how, like, like what is our relationship to food and how does that build us and, you know, magic and just, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's still in the works, but it's, it's kind of like food and feasting as a hyper sigil. I love it. I know exactly. I love the way you just did that. I think you nailed it on the, you stuck the landing. I want to add that you have all over the world to look at that too. That's in throughout history. That's wicked cool. Bon appetit, mofo. Um, now let's see here. I guess I'll plug something too. Uh, the holes in my spacesuit. That's a good thing to start with. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what. I'm uh, I'm really uh, working on a lot of great art right now, and I'll leave it at that. I I'm gonna put my energy into doing the art, and I'll bring it out when it's ready for y'all to consume and enjoy and love it. So yeah. Uh, that being said, I'll be on the obelisk too uh, this Wednesday talking about things, stuff, and such. And uh, yeah. Also, there's an Invisibles reading group, uh, as mentioned. Do not forget that you get that through the Discord Six of Swords channel. Uh, until I figure out what to really call this series, Six of you know, you know, Six of Sixes. There you go. All right. Anywho, uh, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Great to be on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And cut all right um yeah all right guys i'll cut the recording and we're good cool um odd things that strike me as i record this john d john deere tractors all right that's all you're getting yeah so the idea of is there ego is there hierarchy has been on my mind i'll leave us with this these closing thoughts here this outro as it were and am and will be so what even am thoughts on this as i was talking speaking conversing with brother joe on the phone today we ended up speaking for a few hours and it's just like hey didn't we just go to talk about this and suddenly it's like yep and that's uh you know when I have people around me a lot, it's because I like them a lot. Now, sometimes if you don't see them, there's other projects coming up that require that we <laughs> do other things for a minute. And that's just how it goes sometimes. There's cycles and circles and things in all kinds. But suffice to say that uh, specifically, I love Jake and Jerry and uh, Brother Joe all the same. JJJ. There's got to be something about those J names. Hey, JJ. Yeah, that sounds good. Could, uh, could be into that. So I love um, a lot of you guys out there, too. I want to—I don't say this enough. And my path is being made more and more clear to me as I go forward. It's exciting. I still do this show in my earlier phases. Look out. It's going to look different as we go forward. There's going to be a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline. This show is going to be—I just look so much forward to this. 
This is just the infancy stages. First season. Now, that's to say nothing of the fact that these have been excellent all across the board. Six of Swords, Six of Cups, Six of Wands, Six of Discs. All of them have their own unique, talented virtue. This one happens to be... <laughs> I've been incredibly grateful. So this is just a wonderful um, thing that we're able to do. And I, I'm looking forward to keeping it going with you guys. And for people who discover this after the fact. Yeah, look how it used to be. <laughs> yep, it used to be like this. And now, wow, holy crap, right? Yeah. So some future speak, but um, right, right on. And uh, blessings to you now, as it is blessings to you now, as it is blessings to you now, as always. You guys are awesome. And um, hierarchy and ego, it's like, um, yeah, um, I want to say that we are all equal. We are. We are. We are. And then I'm at a place that's like a really sacred place, and maybe they have security guards, and they have ownership of it, and they have a trust going on for the building. And I'm like, see, there's the hierarchy. So you need to recognize if you're looking at things in a complete way, these forces are very um, important to take into account when you're looking at the world with an adult set of eyes and involving consciousness set of eyes with a set of eyes that has skin in the game, if you will. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to wrap this portion of the interview outro. I call them intro, mid-tro, outro. That's what these are called. So, um, you know, you get to be there as a hot dog is... Um, you know, Ouroboricsing. <laughs> so get on that Six of Swords for the Invisibles Discord, 1111s, when all that goes up and up and up. And uh, yes, please do become part of the VRP RPG. See you later, guys.